Man, I hope you're ready for a word from God. This is, the, I just want to start by saying this was never the plan. Like, like me being a pastor, me being up here doing this was never my plan. Like at all. I didn't, I, it wasn't on my goals. It wasn't on my New Year's resolution ever. It was, wasn't what I went to college originally for. But when I got saved years ago, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, something started to happen. I started to attend church on a regular basis. Not only was I attending church every week, but I started serving in the church, in the kids' ministry. So I'm attending a service, I'm serving a service, and I was just all over the church. Like if they had an event, a special event, I was there. If they were doing some sort of a, a leadership gathering, I was there. If there was a discipleship class, I was there. Like I think they were getting ready to start charging me rent, honestly. It was bad. Like if they would have said, you know what, tonight we want to invite you all to come clean toilets. You know what? Actually, I wouldn't have done that. I didn't love Jesus that much at that point, but I would have thought about it, maybe even prayed about it. I was just, I was just all over that, but I wasn't expecting this. One day, and I did that for two, three years, and one day the church, a pastor from the church called me and said, we want to we wanna meet with you. And I'm like, well, maybe this is really going to start charging me rent. I didn't know. So I sit down with a guy and he's talking to me and he says, listen, we're launching a location across town. And, and we would like you to oversee that kids' ministry. And I'm like, okay, uh, that location, that sounds good because that location is closer to where I live, so I don't have to drive as far. That's awesome. And, and oversee kids, I mean, I'm already doing that, so you want me to do that? And he said, yeah. But he said, I'm asking you to actually come on staff. I said, wait a minute, so you want me to, like, like come work at the church? And he's like, yeah. I said, so, like, you're offering me a job? And he said, yeah. I said, so, like, like you're going you're gonna to pay me to, like, do what I've already been doing? He's like, yeah. And I thought to myself, I could kiss you right now. Yeah, but I didn't do that because that probably would have blew the whole deal. But I, so, but I did give the right Christian response and said, let me pray about it. Even though I knew in my heart, I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'll pray about it. Let me go home and talk to my wife, Jody about it. So I drive home and I get home and I'm like, Jody. The, the, this church or church has offered me like a job. And I had worked at my job in the business world for years, like 15 years I'd worked there and they kept me on through crazy times in my life. And so I had no really inkling this would happen. And I'm like, Jody, I'm going to go work for the church. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't, you know, pack your bags, even though we really didn't have anywhere to go. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the, the church offered me a job. And she's like, okay, uh, so, okay, do you know when you're going to work? I mean, probably a weekend gig. you know what your hours are? Do you know what days of the week? I said, no, I don't know any of that. She's like, well, do you have any idea what you're going to make for money? I said, no, I don't know. She's like, well, any benefits? I said, I have no idea. And she, right, she's probably thinking, because I've been known to make some rash decisions, especially at this time in my life. My, Jody's probably reflecting back to our honeymoon, like when we went to Cancun, and I signed us up for uh, a one-hour a one uh, seminar, because they said, Monty, if you just attend this for an hour, We'll give you 300 bucks off this excursion. I'm like, an hour, 300 bucks? I'm in. Okay, little did I know after that one hour of, of, of sitting there, I would, I, I would sign up for like a timeshare in Zimbabwe. I mean, it, it was some timeshare I signed up for, and I did. But it's, it's, it's really not my fault. They literally fed me mimosas like for an hour. I, know, I don't even remember signing my name. So I actually got out of that, but I did sign up for this timeshare. And uh, so, yeah, I've been make, I made some rash decisions. At the end of the day, though, I did take the job, and it led me to uh, pastoring. It led me to many things, and ultimately led me to here. And I think back at that day when that church called me, and I think, I didn't see that coming at all. Like, I, that, was, that was not my agenda. That was nothing I had planned or even thought, thought I wanted. 
I share that with you because we're all going to have times in life when we're going to get a call. It might not look like that, but we all have moments in life where God is, wants to do something supernatural in your life. In fact, I'll tell you this. Collectively, I think we're all in a sit-down conversation right now like that pastor had with me. I think 2020 collectively has been that. It's like God allowing things to get shooken up in our lives so much so that he wants to sit us down and say, listen to me, in all this craziness, in all this, this strife that you're facing, what if I want to do something new in your life? What if I want to do something new with your kids or in your family or in your job? What if he wants to do that? See, we all have moments in life. And what if, what if your moment, like what if your divine appointment is today? What if God brought you, you thought you were coming to church just to kind of maybe check church off the list and really nothing better to do this morning. And what if God wants to intercede in such a way that it literally changes the trajectory of your life? That's what happened to a guy in Acts. Like, like last week, I'll tell you where, I, where we left off. In Acts 2, we're, we're learning that the first church was, I mean, they were on fire like none other. And the last scripture I gave you last week was this. And the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. And my first thought is, how's he doing it? What is he doing? They're doing something supernatural that changed the world. And I want that for us in our family and in our life and in our church. So, and God shows us how. The very next verse in Acts 3.1. So if you got a Bible, you got a mobile app, go to Acts 3.1. I'm gonna show you something that happened in a man's life that changed him forever. And he didn't see it coming. He thought it was just another day, another day in the grind. Just like I thought when I got the call, that's what he thought. Boy, God had different plans, and God's got different plans for you as well. Check this out. Acts 3.1. Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit now, remember, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, the word says, a lame man from birth was being carried in. Each day, this guy was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. You know my first thought when I read that this week? I thought to myself, is that what the guy wanted? Like, was that the guy's choice or was that the church's choice? I, I, I'm gonna guess here. I think it was a little of both. I bet the guy was okay with it because, hey, if I get sent by, if I get sent by that beautiful gate, it's pretty beautiful for me because tons of traffic are going in. I can beg like the word said. I can maybe get something from these people. So I think, I think it was part his idea. I also think the church was probably okay with it too. Gosh, if this guy, we can keep him happy on the outside, that's good for us. I mean, I don't want him in church really. I mean, he's kind of, he's not good to look at. It makes me uncomfortable. You know, he's, he's, he wants, he's needy. He's asking for things. Let's keep him out there, make him happy. And we're in here, we're, ha we're happy. It's interesting. I don't know for sure. That's just my speculation. I'll tell you this, regardless of which way it was, at the end of the day, that man was on the outside looking in. And whether he wanted it or not, and for somebody today, that's where you find yourself. It may be in the will of God, maybe in his purpose for your life, maybe in his plan for your family or your job or your career. You see God working in the lives of other people, and you're like, God, God seems to show up for them. God seems to answer his prayer, and God seems to work in her life. But what about me? It's like I'm out here, and I'm not getting any of that. I'm not seeing those things. Lean in. This message is for you. God was working. Verse three, when he saw John and Peter about to enter, the lame man said, or he asked them for money. <laughs> and that's crazy, isn't it? What's he need desperately? Healing. What does he need more than anything else? Physical healing, spiritual healing. And what's he ask for? The very thing that can give him neither. 
And, and you can't even get mad at him, really, because this is what he's used to doing. I sit, I sit at the beautiful gate and I beg. I've done this day in and day out. See, sometimes we learn to function in our dysfunction, right? Don't act like I'm the only one who's dysfunctional, okay? Do not leave me hanging up here. We learn, we learn to compensate in areas of our life, and we know this isn't really the right way to do it, but this is the way I've always done it. Like, are there any, are there any golfers in the room? Raise your hand if you're a golfer. Yeah. Why, number one, why are we doing this to ourselves? Seriously, it is a form of torture I've never experienced before. I got out of the game for years, and now I'm getting back in because I just like to torture myself. But when I got out, my game was so dysfunctional. And I compensated, and I got used to it. In fact, my, my friends, and I, I would try everything. I need different shoes. It's probably the shoes. Oh, it's probably the clubs. I had like 14 sets of clubs. It's probably the bag. It's probably the balls. It's probably the tee. It must be the guys I'm golfing with, because it certainly isn't my game, you know? So I'm at the driving range one time, and I'm working on my dysfunctional swing. And as I'm taking a practice swing, I kind of look at the club as I'm swinging all the way, and I swing down, and I nail the ball. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. That was pretty good. I mean, maybe that was probably, probably a fluke. So I do it again. And I stare at the club and I bring it down, nailed another one. I'm like, well, if I just stare at the club the entire time, now understand something. This is not the right way to do it. Like if you watch Tiger Woods golf, he isn't staring at his club while he's swinging it. He doesn't do that. Carissa, does he? You golf a little bit. Does Tiger do that? My God, no, he doesn't do that. But I did. So, I, so it was good on the practice range, but then I go golfing with my friends. And these are good friends of mine. And I stand up, and they're waiting for me to shank it or do something like I normally would do. And I get up, and they probably thought I was taking a practice swing. And I stare at my club, and I boom, and I nailed it. And my friends are like, my one buddy's like, he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm lacing the fairway. That's what I'm doing. Actually, it didn't go in the fairway, but it was close. It wasn't in the weeds, though. And he said, why are you staring at your club? And I said, because that's what's working. He said, dude, you can't do that. And I said, maybe you're just jealous because I outdrove you. I mean, is that the problem? Is that what you're saying? You know, but I was, it was so dysfunctional. And eventually it was like a circus. My other guys were like, hey, are you golfing with that one guy? He stares at his club. I want to see it. I'm like, what am I, a sideshow? So I, I finally, I had to put him away. It was just too embarrassing. But I, that's literally, see, some of you, you, you're functioning right now and you know it's not the way that you're supposed to function. But it's what you've always done. Like the man that sat at the beautiful gate, he was okay with it because you know why? The money that I'm going to get today, it's going to get me to tomorrow. And then tomorrow I'll be placed here again like they've done for years and it'll get me through the next day. And some of you in your life, you're thinking, gosh, if I can just make it through Monday, because Monday can suck. But if I can just get to Wednesday, because then it's hump day. And then if I could just get to Friday. But let me ask you, is that really the goal? Is that really what God wants? Does God want you just to like get to Wednesday and get to Friday and just get by? God didn't, Jesus Christ did not die on a cross so that you might just get by. He died that you might have life and have it to the full. That's what the word says. But so many of us, we will settle for less. Why would you? Don't settle. God created you for more. So this guy's on the outside. That's, remember, that's where we left him off. That's where he is. So he asked them for money. Verse four, Peter and John looked at the man laying on the ground and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked eagerly expecting what he wanted, cash. And Peter said, I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the next verse, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet 
and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, he stood up, he began to walk, and he's walking. The Bible says he's leaping, he's praising God. He went into the temple with them. He is no longer on the outside looking in, but he is finally on the inside praising God. And and I love this story because think about it. He's healed, and the first place he runs is in the church. It's the first place he runs. That was not my story growing up. I would run any, anywhere except the church. The church was not a place that I thought was fun. It was not a place where I thought I, I was getting anything, any, I thought I was getting anything, anything out of it. It was just, that's why kids ministry, I'm telling you, it's our most important ministry at this church because I know this. If, if I can get your child to fall in love with Jesus and his church and they have a positive connotation of the bride of Christ, they'll change the world. And as a parent, you'll come back too because you don't have to fight your kids for like an hour getting them to go to church because they like it. It's kind of a win-win. But that was not my story. I would do, in fact, a buddy of mine told me one time, hey, because sometimes you like to play sick for school and church, at least I did. And my buddy said, hey, this is how you can skip church. And he told me the trick with the thermometer. Now, Now, understand something. Growing up, for me, the thermometers, they weren't the digital fancy ones or the radar guns that you point at yourself. They weren't that. It was old school mercury thermometers. Man, they go about one of three places. And I'll take the first, right under the tongue, myself. But I don't, you know, that's just how I would prefer it. So my mom, I mean, I got this thermometer. My buddy said, just put it up against the light bulb, right? He just stick it up on a light bulb for a good minute or so. Dude, you're sick. So I, you know, I'm quite the actor. So my mom comes in and I've done the light bulb thing. And I'm sitting there and my mom comes in. I'm like, oh. I'm on, what? <laughs> Here, I took my temperature, take it. I can't hold the thermometer, so lie And my mom's like, she's, I remember taking the thermometer. She didn't say a word. She looked at it. She looked at me. You know what happened next? I got my butt out of bed and went to church. I'm sure the thing registered about probably 117. She's like, yeah, this doesn't seem quite right. So, you know, but I would do whatever it takes to get out of church. But this guy, what does he do? See, here's what I believe. This is what I truly believe with all my heart. I told you that Jesus would never lead you down a path away from his bride. He never would. So when I didn't want to go to church, that really wasn't Jesus. That was me and my selfishness. That's what that was. But this is what I think. I think when you are transformed like Peter and John, I think when the Holy Spirit resides in you, you you will not just be prompted to, to go to church like you will actually want to go to church. Like you will run to church. Like eventually, I think when you're so lit up with the Holy Spirit, you will beat the doors down of the church to say, God, what are you gonna do next in my life? Like, God, what do you wanna do? That's what he did. He was there with him. He's praising God. I love that story. So all the people, verse nine, all the people, say all, all the people saw this guy that was crippled for life. They heard him praising God. And when they realized, wait, that's the dude that lays by the gate every day and he's praising God, they couldn't believe it. The Bible says they were absolutely astounded. And they should have been. They weren't all astounded, though, if you keep reading Scripture. Because some of the people, I would say the religious people, they they miss the miracle. They always do. How can you miss a miracle like that? How? And they arrest Peter and John. Because they know that Peter and John were the center of the miracle. That's what religion will do, by the way. I haven't said it. Well, I, I like reminding us from time to time. If you're new, or if you're not new, this is not a religious organization. And I know that seems weird uh, coming from a pastor. In fact, I remember when I was going uh, about a year, year and a half ago, I'd go to the same 
eating establishment, and I'd always get the same server, this guy. His name was Cash. I was always jealous of his name. I'm like, how cool, Cash. I mean, it's not as cool as Monty, but it's still, it's all right. So, but Cash would be my server. And I got to know him because he was always seemed to be my server. So I, I'm, I'm getting to know his story and, and he's wanting to move. He's wanting to go to another state to continue uh, a degree. And we're talking about that. And probably four or five visits in, it came up that, oh yeah, we moved here to plant a church. And he thought that's pretty awesome and all that. And probably about one or two times after that, he was cashing me out pun intended, get it? But anyway, so cash is cashing me out. And uh, I just said, hey, you know what? I know you're probably going to move soon, but I want you to, I want to invite you to church. I want you to come check it out if you can. And he, and he looked at me, took the invite card, very nice. And he said, I'm not into religion. And I said, neither am I. And he said, he said, you're the pastor, right? I said, yep. He said, you're, you're not into religion. And here's what he said. He said, I'm intrigued. Explain. That's what he said. And I said, listen, Jesus, the people he had issues with were religious people. People like this that would miss the miracle and arrest somebody that was in the middle of it. That's what religion will do. Jesus, and I explained to him different times that Jesus had issues and problems with religious people. You know what? Cash never did come to Meadows Church. But I know this. We planted a seed in that man that he now he's thinking, wait a minute. So, so it isn't automatically religion and rules when I think about God's bride. And I love that. I wonder what God is doing in his life right now. But think about this. When the, when the man was by the beautiful gate, think of how many religious people, church people, walk by him every day. Every day. Oh, same guy, crippled, sitting there. And they walk by because they're going to go praise their God going to go worship their God because that's what they do at, at morning, noon, and night. That's what they do. How many, oh, and I bet, I bet once in a while when they're with a group of people, other religious people, they throw a quarter or two, let others see how generous they are. And if there's really a lot of people, they might bend down and pray over the guy, pray real loud so other people can hear how eloquent and religious I really am. But then Peter and John, what do they do? They stop. They stop and they listen. I love that they weren't so busy going to church that they, that they took the opportunity to be the church. I love that. And you know what I love? What else I love? I love that when the guy asked for what he wanted, they didn't give it to him. They didn't give it to him. They gave him what he needed. They gave him what he needed. And I think of love week next week. And it, you don't have to wait till next week to start loving people today. But I'm telling you, one of the best things that you can do for love week is listen. Say listen. Just Listen. I think the reason that Cash would give me his ears so many times is because I honestly just asked him questions. Hey, what, what do you want to do? Where do you want to move? What are you studying? It was just always about him. If you listen to people and let them talk and share their story, pretty soon they're going to care about what you have to say about what you want and what you like. I'm telling you, it was, it's so key that we listen to people. They listened to him, but then they gave him something even better. I love, so, the, so God used Peter and John to change that man's life. That's what he did. God chose them. God chose those two in that moment to change his life. And they were the church. So that means that God chooses the church to reach people. So God has chosen you. I mean, if I can get personal with you, if you're saved, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you're automatically a member of God's church. So that means that God, if that's you, God has chosen you to reach people. Like the invite cards you see, on your chairs. God has chosen you to reach out to somebody else. God has chosen you to listen to somebody else. I, I mean, I, I, I'm so enamored, but, but something hit me. Peter and John were wrecks. Peter wasn't, Peter, they were fishermen for one thing. Not only that, but Peter, 
he was messed, he was so messed up. And John was too. But Peter, remember Peter's the same guy that Jesus Christ himself called Satan. He said, get, me, get behind me, Satan. I mean, called him the devil. Peter would deny Jesus three times. Say three. Three times he would deny that he even knew the man. And, and hours earlier, he told Jesus, I would never deny you. Oh, he was messed up. But God chose him just like God chose you. You might be thinking, I'm messed up. My life isn't together. I know I look good here maybe at church on Sunday, but if you knew what I thought about on Monday, and if you knew what I was doing on Tuesday, I tell people, if you knew what I thought every day, you might run from this church. I mean, honestly, we think some crazy things, but at the end of the day, we're all not okay in some way. We always say it's okay to not be okay. God chose you. God didn't choose religious people. God didn't choose qualified people. He didn't choose upstanding people. He didn't choose Bible verse memorizing people. But no, he chose messed up, screwed up, unqualified people to reach other messed up, screwed up, unqualified people. So I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. We're not a religious organization. We are a Holy Spirit-led movement of God. Messed up people reaching messed up people. I'm probably the most messed up person in the room. I believe it with all my heart. So, God always shows me some things that I've never seen before. I shouldn't be surprised and neither should you. The word of God is living and active. Ch changing and moving as you change and move. It. Well, it doesn't change, but our perception of it does. I'm going to show you something that just, l let me ask you a question. Do you remember when the lame man, when Peter said to the lame man in the scripture that we already looked at, Peter said, I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold, but, but I'll give you what I do have. Remember what Peter said? He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. That's what he told him. Get up and walk. What happened next? Yeah. He got up and walked. Actually, that's not what happened next. It's not. It does happen. That isn't what happened next. Did you miss it? I have. I'll show you the verse that happened next. Peter says that, and then verse 7. Then Peter took the man by the hand, and he helped him. And as Peter helped him, the man's hands and feet were instantly healed and strengthened. So the miracle actually happened in the process of the church helping. This is so, so miracle. So, Pastor, what you're saying is miracles happen through the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, for your notes, write it down. Miracles happen when the church takes action. What, the, the, his legs didn't get healed until Peter bent down and grabbed his hand. Peter starts helping, and they're like, oh my gosh, the more that you help me, my ankles, my feet, I can walk, I can leap, I can jump. So it was Peter. It wasn't Peter's power. Don't get me wrong. It was Jesus. You know, you know what I thought about when I read that and God showed that to me, just like he's showing it to you? Here's what I thought about. I thought about that exact same, almost the exact same miracle that happened in John 5. You probably might be familiar with it. It's, it's when Jesus is involved. Remember the guy that was lame by the pool? He, he wanted to get in the pool, but he never could. And that's where the healing seemed to happen. And if you read John 5, what you'll see is Jesus walked up to him. You know what Jesus said? And this guy was lame for 38 years, almost the same as this guy. And Jesus said, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. And the guy did it. So here's what got me about that. Jesus didn't reach down and help him. Jesus didn't help him and, and, and he wasn't healed in that process. It just happened. And I thought that makes sense. See, the church, when Jesus did that, the church didn't exist yet. Jesus was still Jesus in the physical form. And Jesus is enough. Jesus is all we need. He don't need to reach down. He speaks and miracles break out. 
That's who he is. So Jesus speaks life into this man. Jesus speaks healing into this man, and it happens. But then God shows us something. God is showing. Let me show you how important you are to the bride of Christ. Let me show how important you are to what I want to do in people's life. I will show you through John and Peter. Because they're going to say the same thing. Hey, get up. and He said the same thing Jesus said. But then he had to do something. Peter had to do something to make the miracle happen. So God is showing us. He's a God that can do any miracle that he ever wants to do. But he's chosen you and I as a vessel, as a conduit for his power to move. It is so amazing to me. See, when God's power collides with God's church, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Miracles break out when the church takes action. I I never saw it before. I thought they just spoke and the guy got up. No, no, no. Peter Peter had to move. Peter had to act. And then the guy was healed. God wasn't done showing me, showing me things. I'll just share that with you. He showed me something else I want to show you that I never saw before. Check this out. So we learn that healing happens in the process of helping. And that's what went on there. When we, do, when, God, when we do our part, we know that God will do his part. God was there. Peter was there. And the guy was healed. Check this out. The, the last verse I'm going to give you for today is verse 11. They all rushed out in amazement. Remember the guy's jumping, he's leaping, he's parting, he's healed. They all r- rush out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade. This is this, this, this porch, covered porch area. They rush out where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. He's holding tightly. I'm going to read it again. They all rushed out to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to the church. Why? You've been, you've been set free. You were just jumping and praising. What are you holding on to me for? Oh, God is showing us something so big. We, we desperately need each other. Regardless of where you are in your spiritual walk with Jesus, this is what together is all about. Never saw it before. Never saw that that man was desperately holding on to the people that helped him, the church that helped him. He's been restored. He's been made new. Oh, but God's still moving. He's still got wobbly legs. He's still on shaky ground. You know, our logos, people ask about our logo, and I'll, tell you, I'll give you a piece of it. The circle in our logo is continuous, right? It's continuous. Why? Because your relationship with Jesus will never end. You'll never stop growing. You'll never stop seeking. And he'll never stop doing things in and through you if you do that. It is a never-ending journey towards him and his purpose for our lives. It's a beautiful thing, but it can be painful. It can be painful. This man was healed, but he still needed help. This man was, was praising and leaping, for what Jesus did, but he still need, desperately needed Jesus and the bride of Christ, his church, his community. It hit me. And you know who I thought about when, I, when, when God showed that to me about him holding tightly to the church? I thought about Mike. Now, if you're newer, you, you won't know Mike's story. And we've, 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 we've publicized Mike's story and it's been in magazines, it's been in articles and I don't wanna overdo it. And some of you might think, oh God, here we go again, Mike. If you don't know, Mike is a guy that was, he was saved in our church, was going down the wrong path. I won't get into the details, but he was transformed through the church. And then he was doing amazing things in the church. And it was, it was a miracle. It was a miracle just like this, just as powerful. But even as I talk about Mike, look, look up here. Your story is just as powerful. Your life matters just as much as me or him. The testimony that God wants to do in you is just as big and it's just as good. It's gonna look different. People will say to me, oh, pastor, your story of this horrible, disgusting drug addiction and then to be raised to life and now you're a church planner and a pastor. I'm like, you don't want that. You don't want my story. I've shared that before. I, I don't, 
I mean, it, sure, it makes for a pretty exciting testimony. It, I almost died. I met with a guy this week, meeting with a guy for dinner this week. We're talking about just all kinds of things in regard to God. And here's what he says. I ask him about a story. Remember, listen, ask questions. And I ask him, and he says, you know, I, I don't have that amazing story. I said, sure you do. Your story, are you, are you, is Christ in you? You're a Holy Spirit-led, like, uh, like disciple of Jesus? I'm, yeah, yeah, he is. It's amazing. And I'm jealous of his story. It's funny. We always want the other side, don't we? We always want what we're not. I don't know why that is. Maybe that's just me, but I'm looking at him and I'm jealous of his story. Do you know why? And here's what I told him. I said, my dream for my kids, for Ava and for Jake, my dream is that they have something that looked like his story, not mine. I pray, I pray every day, God, do not even, I, I pray that my kids don't follow in my footsteps for much of my life and what I did. I pray. Oh, big testimony. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I want them to fall in love with Jesus at about five, six years old when they can start making decisions and hold tightly to him and his church and never leave. I don't want them to stray. I don't want them to go oh, off on to do their own and I'm going to fall away and then I'm going to come back. I know people that have fallen away and are dead. People that are in hell. I don't wish that on anybody. So we talk about Mike's story. Oh, it's so am- it is amazing, but understand this. The more I even talk about it, the more of a target he gets on his back. No one wants to talk about that. We want to celebrate, oh, Mike, and this, and oh, praise God, and we'll celebrate it, and we'll never stop. But understand something. When you put somebody's story in the spotlight, you put a target on their back. That's what you've done. So I always tell people, when we ever do a testimony of people in a changed life, I just tell them straight up, be ready. I'm not kidding. See, I know the battle isn't anything I, I see. And neither is yours. And neither was his. So, so check this out while we celebrate. Mike has been saved. Mike has brought people to church. They've gotten saved. His daughter has come. She got saved. Mike got baptized. She got baptized. And you know. You already know. So what about the other side? I want the blessings, God. I want the good stories. What about some of the curses? And what about some of the bad things that can come? No, we don't want to talk about that. You know, when we stopped meeting as a church because everybody stopped doing stuff for a while in this season, I, I, I as, a, as, a, as a pastor, I got, I got very, very, uh, I guess, attuned to like what the enemy what, might want to try and do. The enemy loves when the church doesn't gather, trust me. The enemy loves when we don't come together. So, so, so I talked to Mike's life group leader. I'm like, hey, is Mike going to life group? Because they're still doing the Zoom. They were doing Zoom life group. And he's like, no, I haven't seen him. Dang it. And I call Mike. I'm like, Mike, why aren't you going to group? Oh, I'm busy and, you know, working and doing stuff. I said, Mike, I'm glad you're busy. I'm glad that God's, you know, got you a job. But I said, don't forsake what's most important. Remember, you, you have a, you have a ministry and you have, you have a, 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 you need, we need each other. You need us. We need you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, I'll be there next week. Next week, talk to the life group leader. Nah, he wasn't here. I'm like, so I call Mike. I'm like, Mike, you've got to get to, what are you doing? We're not gathering on Sunday. Connect with your, with your church. Hold tightly. And Mike, it was like, you know how you, if you have kids and you talk to your kids and, and you're talking, but you know they ain't listening. It's like they're just like in la-la land. That's what, that's what I felt. I'm like, Mike, I'm, I was talking right to him, but yet I, it just wasn't clicking. So I hung up the phone and I thought to myself, I can't babysit him. Like I can't check on Mike every day to me. I can't. 
He's got a life group. He's got a family. We ha he's got all kinds of connections. So I start praying. A few days later, I wake up and there's a message on social media from Mike. I won't read the whole thing, but I, I have a, a bit of it. This is what I read on social media from him. He starts out with a serenity prayer. If you don't know it, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And then he says, please, exclamation point. And he says, the coronavirus, when it hit, it got me closer to my family. He's talking about his blood family, which is great, but it also distanced me from my church family, which is bad. So Mike's getting a revelation here. I gotta, I gotta respark the light, he said. I gotta respark that light that was showing me the way before I lost sight, before I lose my path for good, the path that God intended. I trust and believe that the devil will do anything to ruin a good thing. Oh my, God's given you some wisdom. Yes, he will. He says, Meadows, I've been slacking lately, but I need you now more than ever. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. That sentence hit me. And I knew that Mike was crying out in that moment. Be expecting more of me. The good Lord has a plan for me and a promise, and I intend to keep it, God willing. So I called Mike that day because I knew that something was up. I call Mike. He answers. I can't even understand him. Just, just sobbing on the other end. Like, I, I'm just listening to him cry. I said, Mike, what's going on? You know, I, I, I just, I'm messed up. I'm messed up. And I said, Mike, yep, me too. I love you. What's going on? And he starts unpacking some things and I listen and, and listen. And, and what he didn't need to hear in the moment is, Mike, I told you, man. I told you you needed your church. I told you you needed your life. I told you. You think I needed to tell him that? I think he pretty much knew. In fact, he, here's what he said. He said, I put it in quotes if I can find it. it was real. You were right. He said, you were right. And I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. The enemy will not relent. He will come after you and like, and like a sheep away from the fold and the lion comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He will rip you to shreds. I don't care what your testimony is. And the bigger the testimony, the bigger the target. So, but Mike knew it and he cried out about it. And I thought to myself and I told him about the target. And some of you might hear that because I'm telling you, spiritual warfare is a very real thing. The armor of God in Ephesians, Paul's writing to Christians. Armor up, grab your shield, grab your sword, grab your shoes, grab your helmet. He ain't writing to non-believers. If you're, if you're not saved, you, probably, you, don't, you don't have to worry a lot about spiritual warfare. You don't. Because you're, you're honestly, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're not a threat to the enemy. But when you're a threat, and you might be thinking, I don't want no target on my back. I don't want no bull. I don't want to be in the crosshairs. This is what I would tell you. He, I, there's a remedy for that. Okay? Don't do anything big for God. Don't seek his will. Don't get bold about your faith. Blend in with the crowd. Blend in with mediocrity. Don't share your faith. Don't invite people to church. Don't participate in love week. Don't connect to the body of Christ the whole time. But you do that, you won't have to worry a ton about spiritual warfare. But this is what I believe. I don't, I don't believe you want that. I don't. I don't believe you stepped in here or you clicked online because you want that. I think you know deep down that you were created for more. I think you believe in the miracles of God. 
I think you, you want God to move in you. And you want God to move through you. And I would say, if that is you, grab your shield and grab your sword and let's go. Because miracles happen when the church takes action. Give him some praise. Oh, on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. God, we need you. You're showing us. You, you've called us to be your church to reach your people. Miracles break out through us by your power. Somebody walked in here in desperate need of a miracle. You already know who you are. God is ministering a word to your heart right now. And in a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to pray with us. And you'll be able to do it up here. You'll be able to do it in the back in the prayer room, right back there, wherever. Whatever's comfortable for you. I just want to say something. After Peter and John were arrested, they were so insane with their faith, so crazy, that the religious people, they're like, by what power, whose name have you even done this? Like, they, they couldn't dispute that the lame man was healed because the lame man was right there healed. You can't dispute a changed life. We, we can debate scripture and theology all day long while people die and go to hell, but you can't dispute a changed life. You cannot do it. Peter said he was healed by the power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Peter knew it wasn't him. God used Peter, but never forget the power is coming from the source. It's way bigger than any of us. But I want that power in me, and I believe you want it in you. And the way that Peter and John had the power, well, they surrendered their life to it. They gave everything to it. And the Holy Spirit, you learned that last week if you were here, and if you weren't, I'll tell you what. When they surrendered to, to, to the will of God and to Jesus, and they believed in Jesus, and they didn't have... They believed, they saw him dead and then alive, they believed. And it changed them. And the Holy Spirit entered them and that's why they were able to do what they did and stand up. These people could kill them for what they did. They didn't care because they knew when this life ends, well, life begins. That's what I tell people when people freak out about what's going on in our world. And listen to me, I pray about the fires on the West Coast. I pray about um, reflecting on 9-11 like we did this week. I pray for um, the families that have lost people. But understand, those, are, those, are, those aren't my deepest, deepest prayer. My deepest prayers goes to the spiritual realm. And I pray, God, I pray that those people, I pray that they knew your son, Jesus Christ, because I know something. This isn't my home, and it's not yours either. And our life begins when this life ends. I'm just going to be straight with you. Way too temporal. And I will pray for uh, God's will to be done and what's going on in the world. But understand something. The biggest prayer that we need is in our heart. God, who am I praying for? Who am I praying to? God, I pray that somebody would take a step today, that you would just surrender everything to Jesus. It might be that 2% that you've held on to, that addiction, those lies, that secret, that dysfunction, and you're going to give it to him. That's what I want. That's your next step, is to give everything to him. You're on the outside looking in, and you want to be on the inside where the blessings are, where, where the miracles are, where all that power is available, and it can happen today. If you're watching online, this is for you as well. And I'm going to pray a prayer. You pray in your heart. But it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you something. I pray it never gets old. I pray you never sit there and think, oh, God, here we go. Give your life to Christ. I will never shut up about the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ ever. Because that is the number one thing that we need in our lives. And I, I, it, it, it gives you a target, but it gives you a purpose. I'll take the purpose over the target any day. If you need to surrender something to Jesus, this prayer is for you. 
God, I thank you so much for your power and your presence in this place today. I thank you for what you're doing in and through the word of God, that we learn that miracles break out through us. It ain't our power, but it's certainly your power working and moving through us. God, I'm praying for the individual person right now and they know who they are online. They, knew, they know who they are in the room and they need to let everything go. And their action item, God, after they just surrender everything in this moment, is to let us pray for them, whether it's up front or in the back, I don't care, or whether it's online. God, I, we surrender everything to you today. We want that Holy Spirit power. We want to hold tightly to the beautiful bride of Christ. It's messy, it's screwed up, but it's your beautiful bride and we need it in our lives. God, I thank you so much for Mike allowing me to continually share his testimony. He even, we even talked about it. He, God, he knew this will just make the target bigger. And uh, I just pray for his protection and his healing, God. And I pray that you continually uh, use us as the church as a barrier against the enemy and that he armors up with God and like everybody else, I pray people choose you today, Father. They choose your son, Jesus Christ, the name above every name. What a beautiful name. Didn't we just sing that, Father? What a beautiful, the name of Jesus. How are you healed, sir? How are you healed, lame man? Well, you were healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's power in that. God, I pray for surrender. I pray people will have decisions on cards that say, I'm surrendering everything. I pray that people online are texting, I choose Jesus to 474747. This isn't just something we do at the end of the service. This is why we do service. It all leads up to one thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it is real. He was dead, and now he's alive. That means there's power in him, and that same power that was in him is available to us, and it saves us, not only from hell, but it saves us from so many things, even in this world, God. But we know that we're in a battle, so we give it to you. I pray that people will do what the Holy Spirit is telling them to do. In Jesus' name, I pray, and everybody says... Amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We want to invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement, and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching, and God bless you.